This podcast is a part of the Carbon Almanac Network of Podcasts. Hi, I'm Christina. I'm from Prague. Hi, I'm Jen, and I'm from Canada. Hi, I'm Ola Banji, and I'm from Nigeria. Hello, I'm Liki, and I live in Paris. Hi, I'm Brian, and I'm from New York. Welcome to Carbon Sessions, a podcast with carbon conversations for every day with everyone from everywhere in the world. In our conversations, we share ideas, perspectives, questions, and things we can actually do to make a difference. So don't be shy and join our Carbon Sessions because it's not too late. Hi, I'm Liki. Hi, I'm Christina. Hi, I'm Jan. Uh, so, what are we talking about today? Good news. Yeah, good news. Good news. We love good news, right? Who doesn't love good news? So, for this conversation, our assignment was to come to this discussion with some good news to share. Who wants to start? I'll start. Good. I got all excited a while ago about the cleaning the plastic from the oceans. And uh, I heard about two guys, Boyan Slat and Caleb Cruz. I think Boyan is very famous in this cleanup plastic idea and he, he's very successful. His company called Ocean Cleanup. And I think he started when he was 17. So I, I'm very excited about young people doing something and really making difference. And the other one is also for cleaning plastic from the river so the plastic wouldn't go in the ocean. And it was founded in 2020. I think there are three siblings, Gary, Kelly, and Sam. And they collected one million kilograms of plastic. They created, they used the barriers in the rivers in Indonesia. And I think there are up to 1,000 barriers in their company uh, called Sungai Watch. So those are my good news. And it feels really good that young people are not only thinking of ideas, but having success and really doing things. So that's my good news. Those two organizations, are they both working in Indonesia? The one, uh, the Sungai Watch is in Indonesia. And I think uh, the ocean cleanup, they are not in the Indonesia. I thought they were in Africa, but I am not 100% sure. But definitely, they figured out first what they wanted to do is clean up all these islands of plastic in the ocean. And so they figured out what's really going on. It's not just the big cruise ship, which, yes, there are problems, but that's not where the most plastic was coming in. It was coming in from the rivers. And I think they started an African continent, but I might be wrong. Yeah. So basically, they're creating dams, floating dams, so it catches all the plastic and garbage and collecting it so it doesn't come into the ocean. On YouTube, they have these beautiful videos. Oh, that's interesting. So they stop the plastic before they, they pollute the oceans, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, because everything is connected. 
That's great. What do they do with it after? I Ooh, wonder. I wonder. Yeah. That's for another kid. <laughs> That's the word for another kid. <laughs> yeah, that, that reminds me of um, another conversation that we had about good news that we had with Ola Banji. And he was sharing the initiative of, of um, Gary Benchigrip, something like that. I'm sorry if I'm sure, I'm sure that I didn't say his name right, but it's also in Bali. And he's, um, so Ola Benji said that he was collecting flip-flops on the beach and made fences with the flip-flops. But then recently, then recently, because I followed this guy on Instagram, I saw him building houses. Actually, no, just one house out of plastics that he has collected from the, from the, from the ocean. So I think it is. You know, I think that's him, <laughs> Gary Van Henship. Yes. So we're talking about the same guy. Yeah, that's him. Those are <laughs> the guys from Indonesia. And okay. The... <laughs> that's awesome. It's all connected. Amazing. <laughs> oh. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't realize that was the same guy we're talking about. Yeah, that's great. That's good. Well, riffing off of um, plastic, I was recently at a conference in um, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and one of the things that I noticed in traveling because I haven't traveled for work for a long time. But one of the things I noticed was that in both the airports I was at and the convention center I was at, um, I noticed water bottle refill stations installed, many of them. You didn't have to look very far to find one in any of the places. And what I like on them, they're, I don't know if you've seen them, they're automatic. You put your bottle underneath and they, the water runs in and then it counts it counts your water bottle as one of a number that has saved plastic bottles from going into the landfill. So the one I was at uh, said something like 320,000 something was the number, you know, but it's always fun to see what number you get to. <laughs> um, and so that was, that was really good to know. And I'm really glad I took my bottle with me and was able to use it on the plane and and everywhere so that I didn't have to take the little cups of water they hand out because I'm, you know, trying to avoid more plastic. <laughs> mm. Sounds great. So that was good news. Yeah, it's good news. Well, okay, this is something you probably knew, but in Paris, there are fountains everywhere and they have been around for maybe 150 years. So it's, it's great that it's going in Minneapolis, but it's been in Paris for a long, long time. You know, I watched a video all about that once, all about the fountains in Paris, and it was spectacular. I was so impressed and wished that that would move to other parts of the world. <laughs> oh, can you share the link to that video? Because I would love to watch that. I, I'm, yes, I yeah. I will have to find it, but I think it was, um, yeah, I think I know where it is. So oh, I, I would love to see it because I'm so used yeah. to it that I feel lost when I don't have it in other cities because it's, uh, I won't even say it's in France. You know, last year I went to Lille, which is in the northern part of France, and I run. And one of the things I really enjoy, I mean, I 
one of the things I need is to drink when I run. And um, in Paris, I have my, you know, I know exactly where I run. I know exactly where the fountains are. And it's very smooth. And, and I feel safe because I'm very, I panic when I, when I think I have no water. But then when I go just in Lille, which is still in France, I couldn't find as many fountains as in Paris. And I was like, oh, wow. Why can't the rest of the world be like Paris? Exactly. And I, I don't know. It might have been that Down to Earth series with Zach Efron. Yeah, I think oh, that's it. Do you know? Yep, that's it. You know that series? It's called Down to Earth. And it's they he goes around exploring different elements in different places. And I think I think it was that one. Okay. Um, that's the video. It's a series, I believe, on Netflix called Down to Earth, and it's all about environmental uh, initiatives around the world and things that people might not know about. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love this story about Paris. For me, the most important part was how they treat the water because they don't use mm -hmm. chemicals to uh, treat the water. And that one I wish would be all over the world. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, they used, uh, I think, light. Um, yeah, it was very um, eye-opening to watch, I remember. Wow. Okay, I need to yeah. watch this and find out what, <laughs> what kind of water I drink because I have no idea. Very I healthy just... one. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'd like to share my my take on good news for this week and uh, this is something i've been waiting for for a long time well, well actually not for a long time since i've read this um, this new scheme and i was waiting for it to be implemented which is a um, scheme to help reduce fashion waste in france that is a great thing because um as you know fashion we're consuming more and more items of fashion and we're keeping them um for half as long as before there's a McKinsey study about it and so to tackle the issue of fashion waste so there's this scheme that that gives us subsidy for for you the consumer to repair your clothes or your shoes that are worn out and so you bring it to your local repair shop one of the problems is that you never know where to go when you have something that, is, that it has a hole in it and um, you don't know how to mend it. And then when you find someone, it's very expensive. So that is great because it's, um, it's helping this culture to, you know, to uh, encourage this culture of repair. And I guess it's also helped promote this kind of small businesses. So I think it's a win-win situation. And I've been really waiting for this because I have a few pairs of shoes that needs to be resold. <laughs> and, um, and so I've been waiting for it too, because, um, yeah, I think I don't want to throw them away. And, um, those are very good shoes and I just want to replace the sole. Uh, but then, um, then I have, I think three or four pairs. And so I was waiting for this scheme to be implemented. So it started in October. So now I'm going to look for the businesses, the small cobblers that can help me do that, repair my shoes. And so that's the piece of good news that I wanted to share with you. 
And though I dig a little deeper in that scheme and I, well, I realized, not that I realized, but I somehow forgot that the European Union has pioneered in the what is called the EPR, which is the Extended Producer Responsibility, which is an environmental policy that shifts the responsibility of a product life cycle to the producer. So basically, when you design something as a producer, you have to think of how you don't cover the whole life cycle and especially what to do at the end of life cycle. You know, this is the responsibility of the producer. And um, so Europe has pioneered in that in that environmental law. And so basically, there's some products. When you buy this, you pay a little bit extra, and that goes to a fund that takes care of its afterlife, after use. And so I think this is great. That's excellent. Yeah, that is excellent. Yeah. And actually, when I say that Europe has pioneered, because this has been extended to other countries, I think, like in the US, in Canada, and other parts of the world. So that is great. And um, you know, the repair stuff has been extended to other parts of the world. And um, just recently, just this in October, a new bill has passed in California, which is the uh, the Right to Repair Act, I think. And um, and this this time it tackles electronic devices because oh, oh, oh I think we consume way too much, uh, way too many electronic devices. And um, and it's because it's become so cheap. Then this is what uh, comes back to what I was saying earlier. You know, when you need to repair something, you never know where to do, where to repair the stuff. And so it's so easy and so cheap to buy a new one. And um, yeah, I, I noticed that you know everything old is new again. <laughs> I mean, it used to be that you repaired things. Yes, and and. We used to get laughed at because we would we would go over Christmas years ago to my in-laws and we would take all the socks and things that we had that needed fixing. And we would sit visiting and watching, you know, drinking tea and watching Christmas shows. And we would sit there fixing <laughs> our stuff and they would say, why don't you just get new ones? Yes. But... But we used to fix things, and that was just a funny little thing, but we'd get laughed at by everybody for doing it. But it's good if it becomes more normalized. We have things around here called, um, uh, what is it, like a, a fix-it fair, where people who are good at fixing things will gather, and people who have things that need fixing will come, and the people that know how to fix it will teach the people who need it fixed how to do it. And I think the money goes to charity, so it's uh, a fix-it fair where, um, where, where everybody benefits because people who know how to take things apart and put them back together so they work <laughs> can help those who don't. And then uh, often things go home working again, and I think it's brilliant. Yeah, well, that's wonderful. Over here, we have things that we have places that are called uh, repair cafe, and I think it's a simple. Yeah principle you just go there yeah. and then there are people that that can help you and there are also classes so i look at the program of the repair cafe in, in my neighborhood there's one that teaches you how to oh i don't know how to say it um say it in french okay soudure 
electronic parts. Um, well, so solder, solder to solder, solder. When you when you melt the uh, the metal the thing, metal? yes, yeah, solder, yes, solder. Okay, okay. So that's a, that was um this week is this 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 solder thing, but I can't that's cool. attend. But I would love a little to little soldering iron, and you melt the the stick of uh, of metal, yeah, whatever wire. that is, yeah. metal, and you... yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's great, but but I can't attend. Yeah. But I, it's just great to know that this thing exists. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. But I'd like to just uh, go back a minute to the the law in California I mentioned earlier, and then mm -hmm. this law is very interesting because um it enforces it forces manufacturers electronic devices manufacturers to make the documentation and tools for repair available to everyone. Because before that, they didn't want to make it available to everyone because they say, oh, well, this is um, this the IP. We want to protect that. But in reality, what happened is that they want to protect the, uh, the, the economic. Um, it's part of the business model to make things difficult and expensive to repair. So now that there's this new law, they have to make the documentation and the tool available to everyone. So there's more competition. And then as a consumer, you have access and you have a larger choice of where you take your electronic device for repair. So that is, I think that's, um, that is great. Is that the same thing as, you know, you've heard of planned obsolescence? Yes, of course. <laughs> is, is that the same thing or is that, is that different? Um, I think planned obsolescence is, um, is, um, product design strategy which is not very good and um and i think no manufacturer would would um would say that they're doing it because it's right yeah, so <laughs> so it's not the same thing but i bet a lot of them are doing it because <laughs> i don't know um i have um i have a blender that was from my uncle when he got married in 80, 82? Yeah. Still working. I have a, yeah. still working. I have a walk that was given to me in, as a present in 1989. Yeah. An electric walk. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with this thing. It's great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we should say what planned obsolescence is. It's when, um, when when it's a plan that the device or the appliance that you buy is only going to last for a certain length of time rather than you know in in the olden times i'm thinking of sewing machines you'd buy a sewing machine and that thing would last it would be passed down you know in the family and and now uh you buy a sewing machine and very often uh they're they're needing great repair in a couple of years and and it's very very different kind of manufacturing than it used to be it's all plastic and electronic now where it used to be you know heavy solid metal yes yeah, maybe maybe we can create new culturally acceptable repair parties so i love your story about the socks like 
get people getting together because I know a few years ago there were knitting circles mm. in the U.S. So maybe we can do repair circles, repair the socks circle. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, when yeah. you were talking about the clothing, uh, I never thought of it connecting clothing and electronics, but really, the now we buy phones like accessories like socks or shirts it's amazing yeah it's uh maybe we should oh, yeah. stop and think i mean definitely when you look at the iphones there's one i don't know every year or every two years the phone yeah. every year i mean i don't know there's a new system here, I don't know, that I just found out about from one of our kids where you can actually, you're basically renting it for two years mm. and you give it back and then they give you another one um, and then they refurbish the one that you've given back and that rent it out again or sell it. So it's, it, you're not stuck with something that you're, you know, not that I've ever changed a phone two years in. But I thought it was an interesting new solution to maybe reduce some of that landfill waste. Yes. Yeah. I, I was listening to um, to the radio the other day, and they were talking about exactly about the same thing. You know, when you have a baby and you have special equipment to deal with, you know, all this stuff, the, the clothes, but not, not the clothes, but, you know, the food preparation. And there was this lady who was telling the audience that she, instead of, of buying the thing to the device to make baby food that costs, I don't know, something over a thousand euros. She rented for a fee every month because um, she doesn't need to, to, to have it, to own it. And she just needs to use it for a while, just for a while, for the duration of the baby needs. And so that's very exciting. That's, you know, there's the swift in mentality and, um, and probably business will follow. My daughter, who whose um, little one is now two, she was in a, she's in a friend group, and this friend group shares everything. So when um, when the baby was born, a whole bunch of that equipment that's only used for a very short amount of time was borrowed and given to her. And then she has now passed on huge amounts of it and given a lot of it away on a buy nothing group mm. um, and shared it. And and so it's interesting because there's a whole group of them having babies and and the stuff is going from one house to the next to the next because nobody needs to buy <laughs> this. You know, I just learned about a thing that's basically the same thing as a Keurig, only it's for formula. I'd never heard of it before. What? But it's a it's a thing that you yeah. put a puck in and my daughter didn't have this but someone else in the in the family group has it and you you put it in and it makes the water at exactly the right temperature right into a bottle that's perfect for for a baby to drink so you're not putting things in, you know, they've got glass bottles which is good. But I'd never heard of this thing before, and it's a new invention, and it probably costs hundreds of dollars. Yeah, I don't know. I never looked. I sort of went, oh, because, you know, I feel like I'm totally out of this realm of yeah. um, all the stuff you need for new babies because it's all different. <laughs> but um, 
But that sort of took me aback. And I thought, oh my goodness, I never heard of this or thought of this. Of course, somebody thought of it. Yeah, but I mean, how long do you need something like that for? And anyway, who knows? New things, right? Hmm. So I just appreciate that these things are being shared around, like bought once, kept in good condition, mm -hmm. and then are shared around amongst a whole group of people so that not all six or seven of them are buying the same thing, right? Yes. That's perfect. Reminds me of co-housing where they share <laughs> guest rooms and a large kitchen if they have a party or or a shop with the tools. Yeah. 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 Which there is one in, I remember in Vancouver, there is a small development where they had all this. Yeah. There's quite a few co-housing spaces and people, people building more and more all the time. Yeah. yeah. So, yay, sharing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, I think this exercise has uh, shown that if we decide to look at good news, we'll find good news. So initially I thought our call to action for today would be, oh, pay attention to good news, but then it probably has morphed into sharing and co-owning stuff. Yeah. That's all good news. Yes. Yes. Good news is mentality shifting. Yeah. Thanks, Leaky. Thanks for the idea. Thanks, Christina. Thanks, Jen. It was wonderful. Bye. Thank you, guys. You've been listening to Carbon Sessions, a podcast with carbon conversations for every day with everyone from everywhere in the world. We'd love you to join the Carbon Sessions so you too can share your perspectives from wherever you are. This is a great way for our community to learn from your ideas and experiences, connect, and take action. If you want to add your voice to the conversation, go to thecarbonalmanac.org slash podcasts and sign up to be part of a future episode. This podcast is also part of the Carbon Almanac Network. For more information, to sign up for the emails, to join the movement, and to order your copy of the Carbon Almanac, go to thecarbonalmanac.org. Be sure to subscribe and join us here again as together we can change the world.